Am I grainy to you? Do I look kind of grainy and weird? No, you look normal. No, oh, you're so grainy right now. Webcam normal. I don't know what to tell you. You're less crisp. I want to see crisp Hava. I'm just naturally grainy, Michael. What can I say? I'm just not crisp today. You're like the Kotzker Reb. Very grainy. Very Oh my God. Greeting. Don't get me started. What, have you had more time to think about the Kotzker Reb and you decided you... Yeah, you know, the other day I wanted to cry and I couldn't cry and I thought this is the best cry ever. This is the best cry of my life. I've had the cry of my life, and I owe it all to you. Sometimes when I edit the pod, I feel like I come up with things to say that that are a lot more articulate than what we actually say in the pod, Mm -hmm. because it's like a second time around. Right. And I realized when I was editing the Kotzkareb, it's not like what he says is wrong, it's how he says it. Like, instead of saying, I think X is true, he's, if you think Y is true, you're stupid. You're bad. Yeah, (laughs) right. Like, everybody always talks about this but nobody talks about this yeah it reminds me of some friends i used to have so you're saying you wouldn't be friends with the coats there were times in my life where i would be unconsciously attracted to people who were like the coats if that makes sense i could picture you two as a couple uh yeah 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 you know (laughs) michael how are you uh how am i i did wake up from a nap so i'm it's real good uh right now Welcome to the world. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, Grunge Girl and I went to the dump today. We picked up a nice wooden chair. Oh, ooh la la. Yeah, because we got like a little swap table going on, you know? Sure. You've, you've gone to rural dumps before, right? Yeah, I have. But none that had this kind of situation you're talking about. But I've been in the recipient of dump gifts from you before. Yes, you have. Some of them you really appreciated. Some Some of them overwhelmed you quite a bit. Yeah, there's just a lot. There's just a lot of whatever it is. Yeah, I love getting uh, weird things at the dump. It's great. I got a, a carved wooden duck at the dump Aww, a couple weeks that's ago. That's cute. Yeah. My grandma on my dad's side used to collect these little like glass chickens. They're like um, ceramic or glass and they're made in the shape of a chicken and like the top comes off. So it's like a little bowl, like a little cookie jar. Apparently, this was like a popular item to make in mid-century. So just like there's like hundreds. It's like, you know, collecting nutcrackers, you know, like there's a million different variations of this one kind of chicken container that she collects. I'm familiar. I've been in people's houses who are chicken fanatics, like chicken kitchen people, where their entire kitchen is chicken themed. God bless them. Somebody's got to be rooting for the chickens. Yeah. You know. Won't somebody think of the chickens? No, I'm, I'm definitely not. I was at Popeye's, as a matter of fact, a few days oh. ago. I had the opportunity. I took advantage. Wow. Yeah. A chicken hater. A lover, in a way. So you got a nice wooden chair. Anything else going on? How's the house? How's the garden? How's Skeeter? Skeeter's good. House is fine. Wood stove is going. Nice. Are you cooking anything on your wood stove? Only when the power goes out. Hopefully, hopefully oh, yeah. not. I guess that's more good for keeping things warm than for cooking anything. Made a pumpkin pie for the fam. It's like a little slow cooker. Ooh, delish. Oh, yeah. Delish. So, you know, everything's good and calm and nice, and hopefully it'll stay that way forever until I die. We'll see what happens. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. How are you, Hava? Um, Baruch Hashem, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I have that same... Feeling I get every time we come to record the podcast where I, I get sleepy 
the moment we start recording. I don't know what it is about our dynamic. We have like the opposite of a free song. <laughs> we have like a nap song. Great. <laughs> but, you know, I'm I'm doing pretty good. I've been learning a lot of really cool stuff as part of my work on Trans Halacha Project, just like a lot of really cool Halacha, you know, I get a lot of opportunities to study Talmud, but I haven't gotten that many opportunities to study Halacha, like extensively and broadly to study the work of different Halachic folks like the Meiri, like Shulchan Aruch. So it's really nice to get a chance to delve into those and to be surprised by some of the gems I'm finding. Do you want to share any gems right now? No, I don't want to share them because they're for Transalacha Project. I really did think about bringing something from this collection of gems, but I'm keeping them, saving them for a future date. They've got a ferment, you know, they're like pickles. They're like sauerkraut. Got it. Yep. That's fine. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm chilling. I'm preparing myself psychologically and practically to go see my family in Texas very soon. That's just going to be... A whirlwind, but I'm gonna meet my baby nephew. I'm so excited. This is the brother that got married, right? Yes, exactly. This is the brother that got married, whatever amount of time ago, not very long ago. They got that baby together quick. Yes, this is the brother, the righteous brother, the good brother. Right, right. What kind of vibe is this? The brother and the wife in the home. I kind of imagine that your brother is like your 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 boyfriend, but that's probably not accurate. <laughs> you know, I would say my brother is actually a li- he's more. I mean, he's definitely quiet, but he's more extroverted than my boyfriend. He is very goofy. I think that's a family quality <laughs> we share. Currently, he's a middle school music teacher, so I feel like that actually should tell you everything you need to know. Specifically, a middle school orchestra teacher, oh although he, he got his degree in guitar performance. So the most harmless, earnest person you can imagine. Yeah. Yep. He is a pure angel baby, and his wife is a pure angel baby as well. So I'm assuming their baby will be a pure angel baby baby. Wow. 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 Are you like the godparent? Yeah. Well, that's like a Catholic thing, right? Do Protestants yeah, that, do that? There's no, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. What do, what do Protestants do? Are they just like... Well, well, I guess if something happens, we'll figure it out. Is that kind of the <laughs> Protestant approach? Yeah, that's okay. the vibe. All right. That's, that's nice. the vibe. Um, yeah, there is no. I did get the little baby some cute clothes as a present that I will bring. Very nice. I'm not very much of a gift giver within my family, mostly because we've been estranged for the majority of my adult life. So I'm still kind of trying to get the feel for like, what are the appropriate social expectations on gift giving holidays? It's a it's a weird experience to have at this time in my life. Well, I hope you're going to have a lot of fun. I wish I could come with you. I want to be there. That would be a real fucking trick. I am going to eat some barbecue and I know that that's going to be good as hell. So good. I'm imagining, for some reason, just one incredibly long ranch-style home with dust bunnies rolling. Or not dust bunnies. You know what I'm talking about. Dust, those weeds, those rolling weeds. Tumbleweeds. Tumbleweeds, thank you. I mean, dust bunnies are the tumbleweeds of the home. That is true. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Coats Karebi said that. Yeah, they're actually the same species. (laughs) Actually, he didn't say dust bunnies are the tumbleweeds of the home. He said, whoever thinks tumbleweeds... Our tumbleweeds is wrong. They're actually the dust bunnies of outdoors. You idiot. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. piece of shit. If you don't understand this intro, go back and listen to last week's episode about the Goats Karebi and how he is negging us all into being his disciples. Famous pickup artist, the Goats Kareb. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway let's, before we slander the coast Kareb too much more i brought this thing continuing on our theme of continuing on our theme yeah this is a little bit of a smorgasbord it's like this little section of talmud i was looking for something to bring for this week and i didn't know what to bring and i found like a little part of this that was interesting. And then I went to look at the broader context and I was like, wow, this is both preceded and followed by other really weird and interesting things. I'll just bring them all into a big mishmash. And so now we're just going to experience this weird flow between stories and halacha that come from Kiddushin 29b. So on Kiddushin 29b, the sage is taught, if one wants to study Torah himself and his son also wants to study he should take precedence over his son. Oh. Rabbi Yehuda says, if the son is diligent and sharp and his study shall endure, his son takes precedence over him. So basically, if you're a parent and you want to study, you should be allowed to study unless your kid is smarter than you, in which case you have to make way for the next generation. Yeah, I don't know if there's a relative comparison between father and son being made there, but that is one way to take it, I guess. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I was jumping a little ahead by making it relative, but it's going to be clear that that was the intent here in just a second. Oh, good. Oh, good. I love comparing people's intelligence. This is healthy. I know, right? Especially between fathers and sons. Oh, yeah. Nothing yeah. bad has ever come of this. So this is like the time when Rav Yaakov, the son of Achabar Yaakov, whose father sent him to Abaye to study Torah. When the son came, his father saw that his studies were not sharp. And Rav Achabar Yaakov said to his son, I am preferable to you. Oh, wow. Unless you know this story, there's no way you can know where this is going. It is just wackadoo, and it only gets more wackadoo as we continue. So Rav Achabar Yaakov says to his son, basically, I'm better than you. Anything you can do, I can do better, including Torah study. Therefore, you stay at home and be taking care of the house so that I can go study. So Abaye heard that Rav Achabar Yaakov was coming. Now, there was a certain demon oh. in the study hall of Abaye. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, right? He didn't know there was a demon going to come in here, which was so powerful that even when two people would enter the study hall together, even during the day, they would be harmed. And so Abaye said to the people of the town, do not give Rav Achabar Yaakov any lodging when he comes to town. Don't show him any hospitality. Shut him out. Say you don't have room. Say you have a headache. Don't let him stay at your house. The implication being here so that he'll have to stay at the Beit Midrash. Okay. Okay. Because perhaps a miracle will occur on his behalf. Either the demon's going to fuck him up, in which case, too bad. Or God will save him, in which case we'll get rid of the demon and lucky for us. Now, are you adding that aside that perhaps a miracle will happen? Perhaps a miracle is directly in the text. Okay, okay, okay. So, yes. Abaya is not a total asshole in this case. I mean, we'll see. 90%. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Um, yeah. So, Rav Acha came to town and he didn't have any place to spend the night. And so he went to spend the night in the Beit Midrash. And the demon appeared to him as a serpent with seven heads. So, Rav Yaakov began to pray. And with every bow that he bowed in his prayer, one of the demon's heads fell off until it eventually died. 
And the next day, Rav Acha said, if a miracle had not occurred, you would have placed me in danger. That's the end of part one of this smorgasbord. That seems very reasonable so far. <laughs> I know. So the part that initially drew me in is I just read this story about the demon in the Beit Midrash because I was like, oh, what if I bring a story about a dragon? We've been getting metaphysical recently, and we've talked about the phoenix. We've talked about the Leviathan. But are there any dragons in Judaism that I could be bringing? And this demon is sort of like a dragon analog. So I went to look at the broader context and saw the preceding teaching, which is just like if this dude literally literally saying to his son you're not good enough to study torah so to me it seems like seven-headed demon is the appropriate punishment for this behavior oh yeah i mean it's it's a little uncouth to do that but like maybe it was true maybe maybe his son was a little shit michael things have to be both true and timely and kind in order to be worthy of being said true or funny true timely and kind or funny. And this was only right. one of those things. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see. Or we think it could have been one of those things, which is true. Right. 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 We don't know. We just know that he saw that it was that way. Right. right. He thought right. that it was that way. Um, okay. Also sort of like interesting insight into the life of Rav Bar Yaakov, specifically like there are a lot of stories of sages going off to study at the Bay Midrash and leaving their wives alone at home, mm-hmm. um, desperate stage wives. And it seems like a narrative convenience that his son needed to stay home because it seems like it was normal in that time to basically leave your family all alone while you went off to the Bay Midrash. So why couldn't they just both go? Yeah. Suspicious. Hmm. Hmm. Suspicious. Also, I don't want to say there are no other examples. This is the first example I've encountered where one of the sages defeats a demon through prayer. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Usually they're like, well, you're a bitch, demon, and the demon was so embarrassed that it ran away and never came around again. Like, right, usually right, they have right. like a direct confrontation of some kind, whether physical or verbal. Right, right. No, this is just straight, we're defeating it with prayer. It's a power of prayer. Uh, right, yeah. This is like very exorcism, very televangelist vibes. Yeah, 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 totally. If you pray enough, you can become a millionaire and defeat seven-headed snakes. Exactly. With every one of your prayers, you'll cut off the head of a dragon. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a fun little story, fun little fable. I like that Abaye sort of like gets the whole town in on it. This is like also what makes me feel like the seven-headed serpent is maybe a little bit of a punishment. Abaye goes around town being like, listen, this guy was a real jerk, so I want to get him locked in the pavement rush with the demon, so just, like, back me up here. Yeah, yeah, well, so far it didn't work. So far the jerk's winning. Right. I know. I guess the moral of the story is it doesn't matter if you're a jerk, as long as you can cut off the head of a demon with your prayers. So now let's stick the last glob of this smorgasbord together. It's had two globs so far. Glob number one, inferiority complexes. Glob number two, seven-headed demons and the power of prayer. Glob number three, as is always glob number three on our show, gay shit. Oh, oh. I know, this stuff really has it all. Oh, okay, wow. Okay. So, at least in my opinion, gay shit. The sages taught, if one had to decide whether to study Torah or marry a woman, which should he do first? They said he should study Torah and afterwards marry a woman. And... If it is impossible for him to be without a wife, he should marry a woman and then study Torah. Rav Yehuda said that Shmuel said, 
The halacha is that one should marry a woman and afterwards study Torah. Rabbi Yochanan says, how can one do this with a millstone hanging around their neck? How will oh. they be able to engage in Torah study? Basically saying like the, with the old ball and chain. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the Gemara comments, the sages do not disagree. This is for us and that is for them. Huh. The reason I interpret this as geishit, one is because it's specifically Rabbi Yochanan saying it, right? Famously, like, top five gays of the Talmud. Right, right. And two, there's one group of people saying, like, no, like, we really need to have wives. Like, we can't make it without a wife. And Rabbi Yochanan is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I'm fine. I'm doing great. Yeah. Well, what was the this is... This is for us and this is for them. What do you think that line is talking about? So the paraphrasing in the translation says, in other words, one statement applies to the residents of Babylonia and the other one refers to Eretz Yisrael. Because Yochanan was living in Eretz Yisrael and the Rav Yehuda and Shmuel were living in Babel. So they're saying basically if you lived in Eretz Yisrael, the culture there is that you... Torah before wife because okay. you're fine without a wife because everyone's gay here. Then Yehuda and Shmuel are a part of the culture of Bavel where they are like, no, we we got to have wives. We can't fuck around with all this. Yeah, that's interesting. Always strange when they're making the trade-off between women and Torah. If only they had let women into the Bay Midrash, they could have had it all. I know. Ah, it probably would have been too much. Nothing would have gotten done, you know? Nothing would have gotten done. You let Listen, women in the Bay Midrash. I don't think anything was getting done anyway. Oh, uh, yeah, that might be true. Something about the, like, the way Yochanan, he doesn't just say, like, oh, no, like, I love Torah so much. Like, I, I have to focus on my Torah. He says, like, who would want a wife? Like, why would you want a wife dragging you down? It is very closeted gay experience. To yeah. be like, why Why does everyone care about that so much? It is a little weird. Yeah, it makes me think like, well, he's married to Raish Lakish's sister, right? Right. Or but was really it really to Raish Lakish? Was Raish Lakish married no, to his sister? No, other way sister? around. Yeah, yeah, other way around. Yeah. Mind. Yeah, Raish Lakish is married to Rabbi Yochanan's sister. Well, did Yochanan ever have a wife? Is Yochanan's wife important? Yeah. And I just haven't heard about her. You never know about the women in, in Talmud, only in, in so few. Places. I don't know anything about Rabbi Yochanan's wife. Yeah, I don't know anything. Did he even have a wife? Maybe he didn't have a wife. This is a question for a future episode. Yeah. The point is, he was fine. Yeah, he was doing great. <laughs> he was chilling. He did not need a woman in his life. He had Torah and he had his big burly gladiator. And I'm lucky enough to say the same. You do. Small burly gladiator. Very, yeah. Not very small, but small. Petite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They got a Mini Cooper. Mini Cooper man. Yeah, yeah he's like a, 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 a Fiat. <laughs> yeah, he's like a Fiat. Yeah, yeah, like a little Miata, you know, a little Mazda Miata. How many more compact cars could we name? Find out next time on How Are You. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt like this, pa this passage had a little bit of everything we love here. Yeah, on yeah. The show. There's really no like serious lessons I was able to derive from it. I guess just like passion for studying Torah seems to be the unifying theme between the three globs of this mixture. Like the fact that Rav Acha Bar Yaakov is willing to be sort of cruel in his pursuit of Torah. The fact that Rabbi Yochanan is willing to be you know, willing to be gay for Torah, 
game for pay, but the pay is Torah. And then in the middle, just sort of like the power of Torah. I guess this is all just like a feels like a study advertisement for hi, how are you? I feel like <laughs> exactly. Well, it has everything. It has psychological issues, right? Mm-hmm. It's got magic mythology. Yep. And homoeroticism. And yeah. There yep. you go. That's yep. basic. Every, what more could you ask for? Yeah. I feel like you could categorize all of our episodes into those three buckets. Well, sometimes we get into cool, dense, ethical shit. Right, 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 right. Which I love, that that other category of ours. There just wasn't much of it in this particular passage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's what I brought for today, Michael. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. It was nice. It was a good, I feel like a good palate cleanser after our, um, you know, after our kind of negging. Yeah, the Kotskarebi. Yeah. Yeah, this is nice. Maybe we can uh, break our streak of continuing our theme. We'll have to see. Do you want to? I'm kind of I enjoying don't know. it. I kind of just want to continue it forever like an eternal soup. Yeah, I kind of am enjoying it. I feel like it's paying homage to the Talmud itself. Right. True. Very stream of consciousness. It's good. I, I feel like it's. Uh, I'm engaging with the, the creative. Uh, I'm just going to cut this out. No, no, it's great. I'm just engaging. I feel like we're engaging with the creative process or whatever. Yeah, hell yeah. So I hope you all enjoyed this. If you are a better Torah student than your child, get over yourself, okay? They're great in their own ways. Don't tell them you're not as smart as I am, so stay home and watch the farm. Or do like the Kotzka Reb says and tell them that they should never believe in themselves. The Kotzka Rebbe would have said that exact same shit. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening, dear listeners. Go sign up for the lovely, sexy, mysterious, metaphysical Kabbalah workings of Lexi at Shalmala's next class, Who Created These. I'll put the link in the description. And, you know, Shavuoto. Shavuoto.